Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. During our summer series, our summer series is all focused on revival. And for me, when I was really wrestling through where we were going to go next, because in the first half of the summer, we looked at the Old Testament, and we looked at revival in the Old Testament. And then when we came to the New Testament for August, that's exactly where we are focusing. And I think oftentimes... We think about our spiritual journey like a speedboat. You just turn it on, put it in gear, and go 100 miles per hour. Amen? Right? And then all of a sudden you run out of gas, and you're exhausted, and you need a break from church. Anyone ever feel that way before? Let's see your hands. Everybody's lying. And part of the problem is, is that we've been using the wrong analogy. In the very beginning of the summer, a buddy of mine went on a sailing excursion with his family to begin the summer. And what they had done was they flew down to Florida and they hopped on a sailboat, and for a week, they just sailed. Now, oftentimes, I grew up with boats. My family was a boat family. We had boats on Greenwood Lake. We had a boat on Havistraw. We just, that was my dad's toys. My dad really had zero toys because he gave all the toys to us, but his one toy was the boat. But it was a power boat. And all you'd have to do is you didn't know anything about pistons, all you need to do is make sure that you had the key that had that little floating device on it so when it falls in the water that you can save it. You turn it on, you put it into gear, and you go. Now, I think oftentimes that's how we think about our Christian faith. But sailing is a completely different form of boating. And if you know anyone who's a sailor, they love sailing. Because when you sail, you are 100% involved in the activity of boating, yet at, this, at the same time, you are completely out of control. And there's two things you have to know how to do. One, catch the wind, because the wind is what propels you. And two, you need to make sure that you know how to steer the rudder. And so what I want to do this morning I want to really look at the analogy of sailing in view of our Christian walk. Because I think this is where we oftentimes get our faith journey wrong. I think oftentimes that we really think that it's all about us and the energy we put into it. But what I want us to do this morning is I want this to burn into your brain. And the next time you go into a dentist's office and you hear that song, that this message would just sit with you to help show you the joy and the involvement that God wants you to have in walking with him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for this day. And God, it is August. There is a lot going on in our world. A year ago, we were wrestling with the idea that our world has, has gone wrong. And already in the news this week, we have seen how wrong our world really is. God, we see how the pandemic had slowed, has slowed down, but then all of a sudden it just kind of ramped up and it's, it's come back with a vengeance. 
And everyone is so wrapped up in how are we going to get the kids back in school? How are we going to get back to, them back to school? And yet, God, there's other things going on in the world, things that are happening in Lebanon, things that are happening in Afghanistan, people that we love who are in the military that were shipped back overseas and the fear of sending their boys. Holy Spirit, I believe now more than ever, we need revival. I believe now more than ever, we need a fresh work, a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit. And I ask you for both services, this service and next service, that there would be a refreshment of walking with you. A refreshment of walking with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to be doing a little bit of jumping around this morning. But I love what Jesus says in John 3, verse 8. He said, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You ever been on the beach? You ever been in the mountains? You ever been outside and you, and you feel the wind? You can hear the wind? Sometimes you just kind of lick your finger and put it in the air, see where it's going, where it's coming from, but you can't see it. And I love what Jesus talks about the wind. He says, you can feel it, but you can't explain it. Throughout all the scripture, the Spirit of God is illustrated through images. We had looked at this about seven years ago. We went through the, we went through the Old Testament, looked at images of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. And one of those images that always burns within me and something that whenever I'm outside on a windy day is that of the Holy Spirit. You see, right in the very beginning of Scripture, this is what it says in Genesis 2, verse 7. And keep reminding yourself of John chapter 3, 8. But watch what it says in Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The word for breath is ruha. Everybody say ruha, ruha. Say it nice and loud, ruha, ruha. The word for breath is ruha. It's the same word for breath, which is breath of God, which is the wind of God. And when you turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he breathed the ruha of life into the man's nostril, and the man became a living person. God had formed humanity out of the dust from the ground. And after he had formed him and there was a body lying there, what God had done was he breathed life into him. And how did he breathe life into him? He breathed his spirit, the Holy Spirit, into humanity. First into man, and then into woman. And so the ruha, the breath, the wind of God had brought humanity to life. But watch what Jesus says in, Gen in John 20, 22. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
so am I sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In John 20, Jesus gathered his disciples after he was resurrected from the grave. And he did the same thing that God did with Adam and Eve. He breathed on them the breath of life, which is the Holy Spirit. You see, what had happened was sin brought spiritual death. Jesus' resurrection brought spiritual life. And the only way that we can have spiritual life is that Jesus, just as he did with the disciples, would do this very same thing for us. He would breathe, impart into our lungs, our spiritual lungs, the Holy Spirit. See, Scripture says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. When you confess and believe you are inviting the presence of Jesus the Holy Spirit to live in our lives I think one of the biggest problems with church today is that we act more like speedboats than sailboats we act so much out of our own energy rather than believing and understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives the reason we have life, the reason we have spiritual life is because God gave us his breath, his power, his presence. I think about when Moses was going to cross the Red Sea. We just think that it kind of went up and over. I actually believe that the image was that God breathed on the water and the water split. The Ruha, the Spirit of God. Just like wind is to sailing, just like wind is to sailing, so is the Spirit of God in a person's life. Think of yourself as the boat. Think of yourself as the body of the boat. In the water, if it just sat there without certain parts, it was like a, it's like a dead piece of wood. But when we invite the presence of God, it does something to us. It empowers us. It moves us. I want to talk about a couple different parts of sailing. First, this is called the mainsail. And if you see this right here, it's the mainsail. It's that which holds up the sails. For a ship like this, there's one, two, three different sails. But what holds it all together is the mainsail, which would be this big one. When we look at the mainsail, we would say, as a follower of Jesus, what is the mainsail of our lives? I think the one thing that we talk about more at the plant than anything else outside of Jesus, because Jesus only, right, first and foremost, is prayer. Look what it says here in Acts 1.14. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Prayer is our mainsail. Prayer is what allows us to communicate with God. Prayer is what allows us for God to communicate with us. 
I can't tell you how many Christians say that they've never got a nudge or have heard the Spirit speak to them. Now think about this. When you look at Scripture, all the Scripture in the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, you see that prayer was the primary position for people to commune with God. Adam and Eve in the garden. They spoke with God as a friend. Think about Moses. Moses communed with God in such a way that people said, can we commune with God like you do? And so Moses took the people camping, and he set up a tent. And he said, anyone who wants to commune with God, go into that tent, and the spirit, the ruhah of God will commune with them. And then you jump to the New Testament, and you're thinking that Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And that's true for all of us. When we are born again, we are given spiritual life in the Holy Spirit. But the problem is this, it doesn't stop there. We follow the model of Jesus. Jesus would go off in the morning and go off at night, and he would commune with God, and he would speak with God, and God would speak with him, and whether it was a word or a nudge or a sense or whatever it was, God would commune with Jesus, and Jesus would commune with God in such a way that when Jesus met with his disciples, he said, now I know where we need to go. Let me ask you. Have you ever communed with God so much that you know what you're supposed to do next? Have you ever sought God in such a way that, that when you were done in a time of prayer that he said, hey, this is where we need to go? Were you ever about to make a huge life decision, whether it be a career change or, or buying a house or, or, or even like the whole idea of family planning that, that you met with God and said, hey, this is what God has in store next. And someone says, how do you know God has that next in store? And you said, because I communed with God. And then Jesus gave that same discipline, the main sale for the disciples to meet and hear from God. And if we are followers of Christ, if we are Christians identified as Jesus followers, then the very same way that the disciples met with the Father, the same way Jesus and Moses and Adam met with God, it's the same way we do. Because when we have our mainsail up, when we are in a season and moment in prayer, we allow the breath, the wind of God to lead us, to direct us. One of my favorite things to do is to drive without listening to the radio. And there'll be seasons where I'll just say, God, lead me where you want to go. Where do you want me to go? Which coffee shop? Where do you want me to stop for lunch? And every time I position myself in a way, I allow the Spirit of God to lead me and direct me into people's lives. Think about this. Has there ever been a Sunday when you're like, wow, Pastor Rob spoke just to me? I didn't know what was going on in your life. It was meeting with the Holy Spirit. 
to pen the words down in such a way so that God would speak to you on a Sunday morning. I can't tell you how many guys in different forms of of vocation that say that as they fell in love with Jesus and learned to be led by Jesus, God shifted their whole vocation. Prayer is our mainsail that prepares us to experience and hear the voice of God. What's your prayer life like? What do you do when you first wake up? What do you do when you're driving in the car by yourself? What's your last thought at night? Have you set the sail for the Holy Spirit to be present? But there's a next part of the boat, which is the rudder. Now, when you look at this model, you can't really see because the rudder is glued right here. And then you have the little handle to the rudder that steers the whole boat. Look what it says in James. It says this in James. It says, And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. When you look at this boat, the rudder is a fraction of the size of the body. And yet, as the wind blows, this little rudder right here determines where that boat goes. You see, we need to ask ourselves, what is the rudder that is directing our lives. It says here in Acts chapter 2, 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. What is our rudder? If prayer is our mainsail, what is the rudder that directs our lives? The apostles' Teaching. The word for teaching, the word for word is logos, the word of God. When we think about scripture, this is what David said. He said, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. When we look at the sailboat, we see how, how the wind blows, but there's something that also works with the wind and works with the sail to direct our lives into where we are supposed to go. And that is the word of God. Here's my question. When was the last time that you really sat down and read your word? When was the last time that you opened your Bible and said, I'm going to read through the Gospels so I can learn more about Jesus, more about myself, and how to love those around me? When was the last time that you were in a conflict, in a conflict, and you said, okay, let me look at how they handled conflict in the Old Testament and the New Testament? When was the last time you had a really, really big decision and you said, okay, let me look at scripture to see how the apostles, how Jesus, how Moses, how, how the men and women of scripture sought direction. 
I think the one thing that we have to remember is, is that, that we have to allow in a time of prayer, getting direction from the word of God, that God speaks to us and he leads us in a certain path. You see, when we allow the ruha, the breath, the Holy Spirit, and the logos, the word of God, to work together, that's when we get to understand where God is working and leading us best. But here's what I think a big problem is. We either just want to hear from the Spirit, or we just want to read our Bible. And we never realize that the two are supposed to work together. The Holy Spirit never contradicts Scripture, and Scripture never contradicts the Holy Spirit. And so if you are working through an issue and you are trying to figure out what you're supposed to do next, and you say, wow, I really sense God leading me in this direction. Okay, well, what does the Word of God say? And let's say you're reading the Word of God and there's something that you don't like what the Word of God says, but you're having this nudge to do something else, more than likely that nudge, when it contradicts Scripture, which I know it is, it's yourself. It's not the Spirit of God. But when you look at this whole idea of a sailboat, the mainsail and the rudder have to work together. Think about this. If you had no rudder and your rudder was broken and you had wind come and it pushed the boat, what would happen to the boat? It would just go in circles and probably capsize. What happens if you took off the mainsail and you had no sail for a sailboat and just had a rudder, what would you do? You wouldn't go anywhere. And so for me, the reason why I believe that the whole idea, the imagery of the sailboat is so valuable for us as Christians is that we have to learn to be in a living, breathing relationship with God so that we can learn to sense the Spirit, know the Spirit, hear the Spirit, and allow the God's Word to drive us with the Spirit, with what God has next. Too often we have churches that are only about the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. Then we have too many churches that are only about the Spirit of God, the feelings, the senses that they get, get when they get into a worship service. That's not how it works. The two work together. And everything that happens in Scripture, we should believe that should happen in our lives. Amen? And everything we read about the Holy Spirit, the wild, the crazy, the awesome, we should expect that should be happening in our lives as well. We should believe that God wants to redeem every aspect of our lives. We should believe that revival can come and change the course of history. We should believe that, that just like when there were plagues in Egypt and the people of God prayed, the plagues stopped, that we should believe that when we pray to eradicate this pandemic, we should believe that it should stop as well. Amen? Seriously? Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? Because here's the problem. If we don't believe that, then we are not people of the Word of God. We are not people of the Spirit of God. Because it was the Spirit of God that eradicated the plagues. 
as the people of God went to prayer because they believed the narrative of the past. So as we read scripture, we believe the narrative of the past so that the Holy Spirit can work in the present. And when we as followers of Jesus don't allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together, there's three things that happen. You never move forward. You have an experience. Two, you just keep going in circles, and there's nothing more frustrating than that. Or three, you capsize. You drown yourself. You give up. And there's an alarm going off saying the time is now. The time is now. Get on the sailboat. But there's one other part. There's one other part. And that's the posture of the sailor. You see, right now, all we're doing is we're talking about the boat. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about the word of God. But what about the the living, breathing person that's on that boat, which is you and I? And it's the posture of the sailor. Look what it says here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And this is the worst part that I hate about sailing. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And how did Jesus baptize them with the Holy Spirit? He breathed into them. Do you know there were moments throughout Acts when the the apostles asked people, do you have the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we've heard about Jesus, but we've never received the Holy Spirit. And so what did the apostles do? They gave them the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that lived in them they gave to others. You see, if I was a disciples, and I just saw Jesus coming back from the dead, I would say, I'm not waiting I'm running out of here, and I'm telling everyone that you have risen. I would have said, no, it's, it's now. I would have been so excited that I would have just said, hey, Jesus, good advice. I know you want us to wait for something, but I'm out of here. And I will confess that for the first many years of my walk with Jesus, that was me. Any nudge any feeling, any sense, anything that I got in the word, I would just go do it. But here's what Jesus said. Wait. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. When I was in third grade, I went to a camp called Word of Life Bible Camp. Anyone remember that camp? Anyone? One, two, anyone else? Okay. It was a very interesting camp. It was a good camp, but that's a whole nother story. But my counselor was named Nick Nervo from Jupiter, Florida. I still remember my third grade counselor, Nick Nervo from Jupiter, Florida. And one day we went down to the lake and Nick said, let's go sailing. And they had all these little sunnies. You remember the sunnies? Anyone remember the sunnies? The little sailboats that just had like one sail. 
I said, great, I'll go. And meanwhile, this third grade hyperactive ADD kid, and then you're going to put him on a sailboat. So we get on the sailboat, and the wind took us about 100 to 200 feet past the dock. I'm like, wow, sailing's pretty fun. And then all of a sudden, the wind stopped. And we sat there. And you only had an hour to sail because there were hour time slots for people to go sailing. And so for 20 minutes, we sat on that little sunny and hyperactive ADD Rob Parker was going so crazy that my counselor said, stop, we're not doing this on the sailboat. You're going to tip it. You're missing the point. Sit, enjoy, breathe. I mean, that's how vivid I remember that experience. You see, the posture of the sailor is patience. Jesus said for 40 days, go wait. Wait. Get together. Pray. Sing. Remember all the experiences we had together and then one day, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to what's next. So what's our posture? As New Jerseyans, we don't know what patience is. This is what it says in Isaiah 40. But those who trust in the Lord, another word is wait. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Here's the reality. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have already been granted the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you a follower of Jesus? You have the Holy Spirit. But here's what we also know, that there are seasons that the Holy Spirit drives us in certain directions. There are certain seasons where all of a sudden we are sitting here supposed to be patient for what God has next. But the reason you're on the boat called faith, called Christianity, is because you have been granted the Holy Spirit, but now you're going to learn to walk and sail with Jesus for whatever God has next. So then why does Isaiah say to wait, to trust? Because when you wait, when you trust, you will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. Because there are seasons in our lives where God is saying, stop. I'm going to use a season in your life to strengthen you. I'm going to give you a season in your life to teach you something new. I'm going to give you a season in your life where you're going to have to learn new direction through the word of God and being in the midst of my presence. You see, there is a right timing for all things, but it's God's timing, not ours. 
There's a right timing for certain things in our lives, but it's God's timing and not ours. And too often what we do is we drive, we are drivers, and we miss out on God's best for our lives. Because we want to be speedboats rather than learning to wait on God for direction. And there are seasons in sailing when there's no wind and all you're supposed to do is look around and enjoy the scenery. There are seasons in our life that we have to rest and remember where God has taken us. Remember what God has done. Remember what God is doing. And there has to be a season where we rest, where God can bring healing to our souls. And I believe that during COVID, that God purposely slowed the world down for whatever reason COVID hit our country and our world to slow our world down to regroup us. And what saddens me is every lesson we probably learned or were supposed to learn from COVID, we've ran ahead and missed out what God was trying to speak to us. How do we know that? Look how the numbers have jumped. Look how they've jumped. None of us would ever want to go back into what we're about to go back into. And as a sailor, the sailor looks at the sky. The sailor looks at what's going on around them. And when the winds come, they have the ability and the foreknowledge to know where to sail to next. And sometimes their journeys take a little bit longer than they wanted. So they could avoid the dangers that are right in front of them. Plant family. Stop believing that faith is like driving a powerboat. When you sail, you are fully involved. You are fully involved in holding the rudder, and you are fully involved in catching the wind. Why? Because sailing is like a relationship. That's the beauty of sailing. I think the best thing that I've learned over the last 13 years is patience. One example how I know this. I went golfing last week. Rob Parker does not golf. And Rob Parker is not a good golfer. But I actually played my best game of golf ever. Eddie, you would have been very proud of me. I only lost two balls. The time before that, I lost 12. I lost 12. So in 13 years, I've come a long way. And I haven't played golf in 13 years. But the one thing that I did do is I was patient. I breathed. I thought through it. I participated in the game like I never have before. It's the same thing with sailing. We have to enjoy the journey that God is taking us on. And I want to leave you with this last thought. When you get on a sailboat, there's an expectation. There's an expectation that you're going to go somewhere, right? You ever see those people that have sailboats and they just sit on the dock? Why would you have a sailboat? That's when you get a condo, 
right? If you're just going to buy a sailboat to sit it on the dock, you're better off getting a condo. But the reason you get the sailboat is that you want to go somewhere. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people have created sailboats to travel, to transport, for exporting. It's been a way, it's been a vehicle from getting to, from point A to point B. But there's an expectation. Do you expect God to show up and lead you somewhere? Do you actually believe that if you said, God, in prayer, I'm going to trust you to lead me. God, I'm going to trust you as I read your word that you're going to direct me in the right path. Do you actually believe that when you said yes to Jesus, you basically were saying, Jesus, I am about to go on a journey with you, expecting you to bring me to the place for why you created me. Each one of you was created for purpose. Angie was created for purpose. Joe was created for purpose. Each one of us in this room was created for purpose. The triplets, all born on the same day, were each created for different purposes. How cool is that? Three little kids born in the same 10-minute time period around. I'm probably off. Two minutes, two minutes. Pull them out quick. Get them out. Each one born at the same time. We're created for three different purposes. Do they, do we expect for God to take us on the journey for why he created us? Chris, God created you to bring you on a journey. Do you believe that God wants to do immeasurably more than you ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined? That's what the Apostle Paul said. Do you believe that? I do. I do. You know what Jesus said? He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. I want to challenge you. Some of you who are followers of Christ, you just feel like you're going around in circles because you're just focused on the wind. Start focusing on the word of God, too, and let them work, in, work together. Some of you are just holding the rudder, and all you do is read your Bible and read your Bible, and you've never invited the Spirit of God to lead you and direct you. It's time that you allow the Spirit and the word to work together. And some of you are here, and you're just sitting on the boat doing either. Today, it's time to learn to sail with the Father, allowing the ruach, the breath of God, to breathe upon you. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you. Let's have a moment. Can we have a moment? Just close your eyes before we go into the closing song. How many of you here 
could say, Rob, this is exactly what I needed. Just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. Just raise your hand. Anyone needed this this morning? Anyone? Anyone need this? Okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you are so focused on the wind that you haven't even allowed the word to speak to you? Just raise your hand. Declare it. How many of you have been so focused only on the word that the Spirit's never moving? Anyone? Anyone? How many of you this morning saying, God, I need to start grabbing the sail and holding the rudder? How many of you really say that you need to start doing that? Anyone? Here's what I want you to do. Jesus said that he breathed upon his disciples. I want everyone to take a deep breath. Exhale. Say, Holy Spirit. Ruha of God. Fill the sails of my lungs, my spiritual lungs. that I can begin to allow you to guide me in the direction that I've studied in the Word for so long. Take a deep breath. Breathe. Breathe. This journey of faith has been overcomplicated. While we live in communion with God in prayer, He leads us in guidance. And the same men and women that we read in Scripture, the same persons who God is calling us to be, led through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. During the song of worship, let's just invite the breath, the wind, into our lungs to our lives, guiding and leading us in a new way. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.